Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the third Sunday of Advent. Just a couple of announcements for you before we get underway with our worship service this morning. They're all lunch-related, which I find really piques people's interest. Uh, we have lunch right after this. Uh, our Laotian brothers and sisters who are worshiping just across the way in the family center every Sunday uh, want to make lunch for us. They don't just want to, they have. So you'll be doing them a favor if you go next door right after this service and uh, join them for lunch. They'll have it all laid out for you, all prepared for you. Uh, just go over there, and we will have a great lunch together right after worship. Then this coming Tuesday at noon in the Family Center will be the Women's Ministries Christmas Luncheon. All I need to tell you is that the entertainment will be provided by four-year-olds. That should be enough to pique your curiosity. So that is for all the women of the church this coming Tuesday at noon. Now, next Sunday, we also uh, should let you know that it will be a music Sunday. We will do our Festival of Lessons and Carols next week. Uh, your musicians have been working very hard on this. It's going to be beautiful, so I hope all of you will plan to be here for worship next Sunday for Lessons and Carols. All right, with all that in mind, let us prepare our hearts for the worship of Almighty God.
The day is near, and so we wait. As we prepare, grant us the courage to experience joy. Joy in our hearts, joy in our homes, joy in our communities. In this meantime, we will sing into the silence. We will light a candle against the darkness. Let us pray. Dear God, in the height of our Advent walk, grant us the courage to experience joy, joy in the face of sorrow, joy in the face of uncertainty, joy in worship of you, and joy in the presence of new birth. Amen. standing and let us confess our sin before God and before one another. Please join me in our prayer of confession. Holy God, today we gather together as those in need of your grace and forgiveness. We have sinned in our lives against you and against one another. Forgive us for choosing conflict over peace, selfishness over service, and renown over humility. We pray that, through the power of your sanctifying spirit, we would set aside our sins 
and be made new. We offer this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Our hymn just spoke to us today of the good news, of the gospel, of the good news that we celebrate each Christmas. To my people now proclaim that my pardon waits for them. Tell them that their sins I cover and their warfare now is over. Hear that good news that your sins Jesus Christ covers and you are pardoned of them. And he asks you now to live as people of peace. Amen. Let's sing to God's glory. seated. Let's pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We have two scripture readings this morning. The first comes to us from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 35, and then we will read from Matthew, chapter 1. Isaiah now first. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For waters shall break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert the burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. The haunt of jackals shall become a swamp, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. A highway shall be there, and it shall be called the holy way. The unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for God's people. No traveler, not even fools, shall go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, Matthew. Now, the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother, Mary, had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, 
for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had born a son, and he named him Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we're deep now in the Christmas season, and I've been paying attention to words. There's all these little words that have bubbled up over the years that are just associated now with Christmas. Words that we see in advertising, words that we see in decorations, words that we hear in Christmas movies, they're all going to be familiar to you. I've made a little list, though, so you can do an inventory and kind of think about where you have seen these words before. Words like joy, believe, the Christmas spirit, magic. These are words that evoke for all of us a certain feeling about this season. And they are words which, if we have been paying attention, have been creeping slowly and steadily into earlier months of the year. I have been informed that Christmas, you know, used to be like a week, but now it is many months long, apparently. We start celebrating Christmas very early, as I have pointed out to you before. Hallmark now begins their Christmas movies prior to Halloween. I feel like this is the beginning of the Christmas season. Some stores never take down their Christmas stuff that they sell. If you go into Hobby Lobby, you can find an aisle where it is Christmas season year-round. We've been dragging Christmas further and further and further into the earlier months of the year. We've been dragging that language further and further and further into the earlier months of the year. Why have we done this? As best as I can tell, It is because outside of the Christmas season, we are largely dissatisfied with the other months of the year. Nobody seems to be enjoying them all too too much. The world these days outside of Christmas. Sure, we have our moments, but by and large, those 11 or 10 or 10 and a half months when we're not celebrating Christmas somehow don't seem particularly good to us. And as those months kind of drift away, the more we feel the desire to get Christmas started earlier and earlier so that we can begin to turn things around. And so those words, belief, magic, spirit, joy, get drugged further and further and further into the year, an expression of our dissatisfaction with the way things are going. So I would like to introduce one more word this morning that we might associate with Christmas, a word that maybe we can imagine being on decorations in the future, a word which might help us to understand a little bit about what's going on, and that word is sin. I want you to play a little game. This week, every time you see one of those Christmas words on anything, in an ad, a pillow, a TV show, anything. 
Take it out. Christmas spirit. Believe. Magic. Take it out and put in sin. There's really no purpose in that, by the way, but it just seems like a fun game to play to me. And you're wondering, like, Phil, like, the tree's up, the poinsettias are here, we're singing good songs, why are you doing this to me? Why are you making this a word that I would associate with the Christmas season? And I'm here to tell you, it's not my fault. I didn't do it. It's not my fault that we have to think about this. Let me, just, let me just point you back to the passage, right? Let me just orient you right back to the Matthew passage. Okay, that was the Christmas passage, right? We all recognized it. Mary is pregnant by the Spirit of the Lord. Joseph is going to get rid of her on the quiet, which seems like a weirdly compassionate thing to do. Maybe he's going to get rid of her. And an angel of the Lord appears to Joseph. And the angel says to him, Joseph, don't do that. Mary is pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to marry her. I want you to name your son Jesus. And I want you to do this because your son will save the people from their sins. See what I mean? This is not my fault. But it's right there. It's right there for us. Jesus will save the people from their sins. So let's talk about that for a minute, shall we? This idea of sinfulness and sin. Why is it that we're dragging, dragging those words, dragging Christmas further and further, earlier and earlier into the year? What is it that's stirring within us that is making us say that the world around us is not as it should be. What is it? It's sin. But here's the thing, and I need to be quite clear about this. We're not going to play this game that our friends do in other congregations where we start making a list of all the sins that are the problem in the world. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about sin at its root. Sin at its root does one thing. It does one thing. It is a one-trick pony. It dehumanizes. And what are we steeped in in our society? No society in the history of the world has been able to stew in the language of dehumanization like we do. It is constant. It is ever-present. It is everywhere we go. Think, think for a minute of all the words that you hear over the course of a given day or the course of a given week which turn a person into something else. Nobody anywhere ever has had the ability to use language as proficiently and profusely as this and then pair it with images from around our country and around the world which reinforce the sense that somehow human beings, whether it be us or other people, are worth less than they ought to be. That is sin. And we live in it constantly. The words that are used to describe us and describe other people 
the ways in which we feel when we go to places. Let me ask you this. The last time you were at a hospital, did you feel like a full human being? I know you didn't because I go visit you there. That's just one little place. We'll use an example that's fairly safe for us to look at without getting too deep in the weeds. The war in Ukraine, the language that is used to justify. What was the justification the Russians used for invading Ukraine? What were they going to do to the country? They weren't going to go kill people. They didn't say, hey, we're going to go to the Ukraine and we're going to kill people and we're going to destroy their homes. They didn't say that. Why? Because everybody would be against that. So they changed their language and what are they going to do? They're going to denazify it. Well, everybody can get on board with that, at least in Russia. Nazis are bad. Let's de them. That's just one tiny little example. Pay attention. Listen, every time you watch the news this week, every time you read an article, every time you get on your social media feed, every time you're in a business, any time you're interacting in any way, look for the language that dehumanizes. And that's the sin. And we live in it constantly. The idea that we or the people around us are somehow lesser. We have the ability to amplify it and magnify it and stew in it, but it's not new. When you go back and you read the Gospels, when you go back and you read those stories and you read what the world was like in Jesus' day, and you read about the stories of Roman soldiers who were occupying Judea, and they would go up and they would grab a passerby and they would pull them over and they would make them carry their pack for a mile. Do you think they saw... That citizen of Judea is a full person? No. They saw him as a pack animal. When the pilgrims, when the pilgrims, the faithful people of Judea would come to Jerusalem to make their sacrifices at the temple, the holiest thing they could do, they were too poor and they had to travel too far to take their animals with them, so they had to buy them there in Jerusalem. And they would go up to the temple and arrayed around the temple were money changers and people who would sell animals at an inflated price to the pilgrims, exploiting their faith. Do you think they saw them as full people? Do you think they saw them as full human beings? No. No, they saw them as suckers. This is it. Like, this is it. This is the world. We do this to each other and have done this to each other since time immemorial. We turn one another and are in turn turned back into non-humans. And that is sin. And God, God looked at that. It's not like God was naive. It's not like God didn't know what was going on. God looked at that. And didn't say, you know what, I'm just going to wipe everybody off the face of the planet. He didn't say, you know what, I'm just going to cast everyone into the depths of hell. God didn't look at that and say, you know what, I'm going to come down, I'm going to put a yoke around every person's neck, and I'm going to force them to behave the way they ought. God didn't say any of those things. God simply said, 
I'm going down there. And in the midst of all that, in the middle of all that, in the middle of all those things, I am going to be with them, with us. All the choices God could have made, all the decisions that could have been made in the face of all of this, all of those things, and God chose this story. One baby born in a backwards corner of the world to a father who had to be begged to claim him and to a woman who had nothing. And he was to be named Jesus, which means God delivers. And he would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And he would save us from all of our sins. Do you want to know why you want Christmas to start so early? Do you want to know why you want it to start in mid-October? It's because at no other time of the year do we see and are we seen as full humans more than this. When you turn on their, the news, there's one less story about a murder and there's one more story about an act of charity. When you go into a store, who's standing outside? You're greeted by somebody with a red kettle, usually with a Santa hat on. And what do they say to you as you walk into the store? They say, Merry Christmas. And you're like, Merry Christmas. And you throw a buck in there and you feel better. And your social media feed isn't just full of people saying terrible things to each other. Of course that's there, but now you're getting pictures of Christmas parties. And you see your old friend with the most audacious Christmas sweater, and you're like, oh yeah, he's a funny guy. The reason we're pulling it forward is because we recognize something and we aren't saying it. We recognize that more and more we are failing to see the people around us as full humans, and we recognize that more and more we feel the same way too. That we are looked past, looked over, uncared for, and we are in turn showing that to others. And we know, even if we haven't given it the right name, we know something's wrong with that. When we say that Jesus is God with us. When we say that, when we say that Jesus is God with us, what we're saying is no to that type of sin. That's what we're saying. We're saying no. We are saying no. I refuse to see other people as anything less, and I refuse to be seen the same way. And that's when we understand that Jesus is with us. Jesus was seen as a nobody and a nothing. There's a reason he didn't come as a king. There's a reason he didn't come as the richest merchant in Rome. There's a reason he came into poverty. It's so that he would be with us, all of humanity, in the simple quest to be recognized as a full person. Sin wants us to be seen as less. Sin wants us to be reduced. It wants us to reduce other people. But it won't win. 
We know the end of the story. We know how this goes. It doesn't win. When Jesus was born, sin lost. When Jesus was resurrected, sin lost. Every time we gather together and call one another brother and sister, sin loses. Every time we serve Jesus by loving people we hardly know, sin loses. This is what it means. This is what it means when we say God is with us. Jesus, God delivers. Emmanuel, God is with us. It's Christmas season. Those words, believe, joy, magic, spirit, what they mean is that the world is full of people whom God loves. You, you are a person who God deeply loves. And that darkness, that darkness that we feel all around us, that darkness will lose because God is with us. Amen. Over the course of this week, over 200 children's gifts uh, were bought at the Christmas store for over 200 children, many more gifts than that, and many of you uh, worked many hours this week around that, and I want to include uh, those families in our prayers this morning. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts and open our imaginations wide enough to start to take in what it means. What it means that you sent your son into this world to save this world. What it means that he is God with us. Help us to feel the truth of that bone deep within us. Help us to live in response to that this month and each month. As we gather in your name this day, we cannot help but offer all praise and thanks to you for the many blessings that you have given us this day and in each day of our lives. Help us to be grateful people for the love you have shown us in Jesus Christ and for the love you show this world. As grateful people, help us to also be people of prayer. People who pray for one another, who pray for our neighbor, who pray for the stranger. Today we offer prayers for each corner of this world, and we pray in particular for one small portion of our own corner of this world. We pray for those over 200 children and their parents, their families in this season. 
We pray for them and we pray for what they represent, those who work so hard and still it is difficult to make ends meet. We pray for those who work so hard and it is difficult to make the joy meet. It is difficult to make the peace meet. We pray for those who grieve, for those who are anxious, for those who are afraid. We offer to you now, both aloud and in the silence of our hearts, prayers for particular people and particular situations. Hear our prayers. Lord, we give you thanks that you have promised that where two or more are gathered in your name, that Christ is here among us. We give you thanks for his presence and his work. It is in his name that we offer every prayer, and it is in his name that we offer the prayer that he has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. We ask that you would enjoy this offering of music. It is to the glory of God. If you would like to give an offering, you can at the basket following worship or at the entrances. Let's continue our worship together.
Let us pray. Great God of every time and place, we give you thanks for this time and this place. We ask that you would use our lives as an offering, holy and acceptable to you. It is in your precious name that we offer this prayer. And in Jesus' name, we say, Amen. my friends, may the grace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide, guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storms. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home once more into these doors. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. Laotian lunch. Go, go. <laughs>